Storymakers. I'm Angie Powers. I'm Elizabeth Stark. And And this this is Storymakers Show. God, we're loud. Anyway, (laughs) today on Storymakers, we are going to talk about authenticity, a key ingredient in many things. But first, what are you working on, Angie? Uh, I am working on, there's nothing but that now. Nothing. Until now, until the end of July, there's really nothing but that. I mean, that meaning the your film, film project. Your film project. I mean, I do have like clients, but that becomes less interesting to hear about. But um. <laughs> uh, okay, so um, what is it, what does it mean to be working on this project? Like, what is the next step? I'm really trying to pull a variety of pieces together and think about the opportunities um, this format offers. It's sort of interesting because there's the, is this procrastination or is this me really sort of gathering a variety of inputs still? So, Well, you know, you had this process when you were doing your master's degree where you had to do all of this research and mm-hmm. have a bibliography and sources and a, and a methodology. Yeah. I have this crazy idea and I have no idea if I'll even remotely be able to manifest it, but sort of incorporating different shots that are um, cover art from albums I've loved. You mean like recreating the cover art in Mm -hmm, the film? Yeah, yeah. mm -hmm. You know, uh, Pennies from Heaven was this movie that I saw when I was a child. It was highly inappropriate (laughs) for me Uh um, as a child, but um, they used Edward Hopper Uh images, right? Like, and that was very cool. Yeah. So, I love that. You know, I actually think that um, a lesson for our storytelling listeners, our storymaker listeners, is that sentence, I have this crazy idea and I have no idea if I can pull it off, mm-hmm. is sort of the kernel, the, the core of being well, a storymaker. It certainly maker. makes it more interesting to pursue. As a person who is pursuing something, if you're like, yeah, no, I can totally do this. Yeah. You're probably like me. You're phoning it in. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think it's one of the things that makes the creative life so hard, right? Mm-hmm. Like whatever it is, you're not like, oh, now I know how to do it. Now I know how to write a novel. Now I know how to write. It's like, oh, now I know how to write that novel I just finished, but I'm not going to write that novel again. Mm-hmm. So now I have to learn this new Yeah. One. What are you working on? I am still waiting. And um, that's been such an interesting lesson for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, I am thinking about, you know, how my life and how to shape it and how teaching coming up in the fall and yeah I, so uh, you're yeah just all that but I also have been judging a, a, a literary award oh fun and I'm, I'm not going to say specifically what it is yet but I do want to it actually was sparked my interest in the topic authenticity mm-hmm. and I'll just say a little bit about why and then as soon as I mentioned that to you this morning you had immediately um, some thoughts and I said save it for the podcast <laughs> So, because I want our conversations to be authentic, right, and not rehearsed. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that I. And it will be interesting when you hear what I was going to say because it's a little bit different. Ah. Well, let me. Shall, shall I say what I why I thought of it, mm-hmm. or do you want to say? No, the you thing We've been holding out on me about. Okay, so one is, and this comes back to also the the audition. So we auditioned people to be actors in your full-length narrative film, Little, uh, not Little Meanies, Lost in the Middle. Mm-hmm. 
So it was, and it's it's always, always so interesting to be on the other side, the judging side mm. of these sorts of things, right? Because it often can feel so mysterious to be an entrant in these kinds of things, right? To submit your self or your work for consideration and to feel like, what are they looking for? It feels so mysterious. Like, what are they looking for? And how should I best answer this question? And and I was thinking about that in my own process. So, you know, it says like sort of, why are you a writer or why, you know, whatever, what's your- Whatever the application your, materials are asking right. for. Or why do you want to be in this film or whatever it is. And- of course, there's all those important skills about, you know, looking at the vocabulary, like when you're applying for a job, looking at the vocabulary with which the employer mm-hmm. is describing the job and all of those things. But ultimately, what people really want, at least in the creative, at least for these two experiences and, you know, others, is an authentic sense of the person, right? Mm-hmm. Like to just, because really it's like there's some, someone might be brilliant and they won't be able to be cast as this character. I mean, we had somebody read one of your parts and she was hilarious and it was, and it was a guy and we kind of did toy with like, well, maybe, maybe we should make her get cast her. Right. Right. Um, that was at one of the table reads. That was at one of the table reads. But, um, but there's a way in which, you know, that would be another quirky decision, but none of that would be like, if she showed up to an audition, right, which she wouldn't have, but you know, None of that would be in her control. Because she's a therapist. But none, right, none of that would have been in her control. Do you know what I mean? All she could do is show up, give the performance she had to give, and we then have to think, how does this fit with our vision, with the other pieces, with the other parts? I think it's a little bit different because, um, I mean, depending on your audition process and style, but most people give people an opportunity to change and sometimes you're just getting your sides then so you're getting a cold reading right but in a way then what what do you have to bring before you have any notes Mm -hmm. is sort of you right right and I mean I always had the idea in mind that you know if you come with your authentic self then if they say no to you you're like okay maybe I wouldn't have been happy there Mm -hmm. right but I guess just reading these things I felt you know I don't want the that that piece, and I've done this myself so much, of like, what is this supposed to be or what does this look like is is way less interesting than what's your real answer? Like, why why are you a writer? Or what made you a writer? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, that's- I think it all depends. And here's and so I'm going to give you now the flip side. So I've been watching this class on Coursera. Coursera.com is not sponsoring this podcast <laughs> in any way, shape, or form. However, um, I've really been enjoying the classes they have available on there, and they're provided through universities and different actually accredited uh, institutions. institutions. And, you know, that does go a long way to feeling like, oh, so this is the Columbia School of Business. I can maybe get behind it. It's a little bit vetted. Um, So... I'm taking a class right now, which is not through the Columbia School of Business, but it is through the University of Virginia, and it is about content University strategy. of Sebastopol. Yes. But it's about developing content, and one of these notions of authenticity is actually, you know, understanding the person you're actually speaking to well enough that you are actually providing them value. So I, the reason I kind of toy a little bit with this and the reason I think you have to really think about the context is because I think 
we are so often so geared towards what do we want to say. Well, okay, so I completely agree with you on that note. And I think that authentic communication is 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 about showing up and being present, which also means listening and being aware of what's around you. But in these so and and in these situations, you only you have clues. You definitely have information, right? Mm-hmm. So it's definitely and one of the things is you know, it's not your crazy cousin drinking a beer with you. So don't kind of get super, like, you know, there is a voice that is a professional voice when you're submitting, say, a grant application mm-hmm. um, that is appropriate, right? So there's, so there's, I'm definitely not saying don't respond to the other party, the other, the information you're being given, all of that, like the questions you're actually being asked. Like, definitely. I do think that being authentic is about, Really like, okay, what am I being asked? By whom? Why? What kind of information do they need? And like a conversation, then mm-hmm. giving that information. Right. Um, but but then from your authentic self. And we have multiple sort of voices and stories to I tell. I have several voices in my head. It, well, that's the other. And I will say that's the uh, just in, in terms of like what listeners might have to learn from, you know, the other side of this this veil that we're all trying to pierce um, <laughs> is um, the insecure voice or it's not even insecure voice it's the dog outside barking at the mail carrier it's the um, for example like sort of saying I've never really published that much although I did win in a one award one time or something mm-hmm. it's like oh my gosh don't say that like lead with the award and I realized you know I had that dream after I was in conversation with agents, where I, where one of them said to me, uh, where, you know, where it came out that I had that I had been a finalist, my book had been a finalist for two awards that had dropped off of my yeah, resume and yes. out of my letter, and which it had dropped. I mean, that really had. And in the dream, she said, you know, bring that back in. And when in real life I talked to her, my agent about it, she it did it like sort of she was like she started like trying to get the rights back for the book, and do you know what I mean? It it did actually matter. Um, so I get, I mean, I'm talking about all this from the place of being that person who has, I mean, you know, especially when I was younger, like really done some chagrin, uh, causing sort of applications and things like just not knowing how you do that. Mm-hmm. So, um, so how does this relate? So what are you saying? Okay. Like in a nutshell, a little more concise. So in your mind, when you talk about authenticity, as a person who is reading, and, I, and I've actually heard Christine Lee talk about being an editor. Christine and Young Oak, Oak Lee. Lee. Yeah. Will be in the show. She will be in the show notes. She's one of our She's guests. also, yes. Um, she's, anyway, um, she has talked about the importance of, of sort of paying attention to what people are asking of you. Uh And there's that part, and then there's, like, honestly, I think what makes it authentic when you listen is there might be some things that are not for you, (laughs) right? What do you mean? Well, I mean, like, not every grant is for every writer. Well, yes, right? That's the other thing is is doing appropriate self-selection. But Mm -hmm. certain people are socialized to automatically self-select out, right? And other people are socialized to over-self-select in. Yeah, I used to work at a library, and this guy was like, yeah, no, I'm in this anthology. And it was like, when I'm old, I will wear purple. And it was like women talking about aging. (laughs) I gave that to my mom as a birthday present. And he was this guy in his 30s that worked at the library. And 
I said, did they know that you were not an old woman? And he was like, well, you know what? It doesn't matter. And I was like, I kind of feel well, like it does. He may have been just so ahead of his time. Bear in mind it was, um, you know, I think 88. So definitely things were a little bit different at that point. And for all you know, he now is an old man wearing an old, old woman, woman wearing purple. purple. I hope that he is. But it definitely was like one of those things where it was like, yeah, no, I don't think they were trying to help you find representation in that book. But they, <laughs> but they were looking to help an audience feel empowered and see themselves reflected. And in some way, he had managed that. <laughs> I love that. Well, and this is, I mean, that's the other side of authenticity, right? That I think... You know, anyway, that's a whole other conversation. Um, I do think that this has creative, obvious, deep creative implications, right? Mm. So, and I think that I was, I'm reading The Overstory by Richard Powers, which I hugely resisted and am completely loving. Mm, good. To the point where, so I, I have it as an audiobook and an ebook, which is like the, the first time I've done this little toggle thing. And. No, it's not. No, Mm-mm. I feel like, well, no, no, because I mean, I don't want to get into this, but like, because I basically don't, I don't, I haven't ever done it where it's supposed to be doing it for me. Cause that really, that, I feel like you had a whole mm. conversation with me about that at some other Maybe juncture I did it with the winters. I think you did. Yeah. Anyway, um, which I did not love, but, um, <laughs> yeah, but, it had to go there, didn't you? But in any case. What's happening is I'll listen to the audiobook and then I'll just go back and read those chapters that I listened to because the sentences are so powerful and pleasurable mm-hmm. um, that I, you know, the, like the audio is, I'm listening and I feel like I'm hearing it and whatever, but it's it's still like completely pleasurable to go back and just reread what I just heard mm-hmm. and it gives me something deeper. Okay. So talk to me about authenticity. So, so, so something sort of flashed in me about... Again, that vo- the voice of character. Oh, I know. So, so again, reading some different writings from different people, and sometimes a voice can be really a performance, like an accent when you don't actually know the accent, like when you don't act. You know, like like I could do Cockney right now, but it wouldn't be very good, right? <laughs> and as opposed to a voice um, that might not at all be your own. But that you can get, that you can master some sort of authenticity in, in presenting it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it is, it's just, it's just kind of the difference between something that feels very clunkily performative, unintentionally, not intentionally, you know what I mean? Not, not campy, something, something else. Something, you know what I mean? I think I don't. <laughs> Well, what does authenticity I, mean to you? I mean, I'm sorry. I just, I think I'm, you know, just waiting for the coffee to bust through the fog. So, I mean, for me, authenticity has always been sort of a complicated notion. I think I've often sort of wrestled with it to a certain extent because um, it's... The notion that there's any one authenticity, I think I don't like, even yeah. for people. <laughs> right. No, for we, even for individuals. We've agreed. We've agreed. Uh, then the idea of authentic, you know, who gets to decide it? What is authentic? How, how you know, someone being absolutely uptight and over solicitous 
is authentic to that person in a particular way. But right, I don't authentic does not mean likable. No, but it does, right? So the, the, all I'm saying is there's things that we're talking about, and it's like, be your authentic self. Well, no. my authentic self is scared right now. And so right. what I'm going to, no, no, but I'm just saying, like, when people are learning how to, you know, speak publicly or do these other things. And it's like, well, my authentic self is, self is scared to but stand up in front of you. to say that, right? To say, right. hi, oh my gosh. Now, you don't, you don't want to spend hours on it or even minutes on it because then you're sort of asking people to start doing something Taking different. Care than of you. It. But that's authentic to you too, if you're that person. Well, then don't be a public speaker. Right. Right. But that you do. But you see what I'm saying? It's like the idea of authenticity. If we keep pressing on it, if you press on it logically, what does it actually mean? Okay. Well, it might be the wrong word for what I'm trying to get at, because I do think there's something really valuable to be learned in like, I guess in, in when, when in sitting down, say, in a, in when you're early drafting some kind of mm-hmm. application or whatever to to I mean, I don't to to start with. What is my answer to this question? Mm-hmm. You know, and and then and then okay, what is my professional answer to this question, and how is it related to my kind of first gut reaction? You know, and and so yes, I'm not so authenticity might be the wrong word. No, I'm actually just like pressing on I know, it's something. What you do. It is what I do, and it's just it's um, you know. If you're not careful, you end up in a place where nothing means anything. And well, right, we don't want to go all the way that way either. But the funny thing is, like, I think. You know, there's a lot about the that whole notion of authenticity and the way that it locks us into some kind of self identity really assigned by somebody else. Like, yeah. no, I'm not interested in that. But um, I but I just have come off of you know judging this contest by you know with a real like first of all, really wanting to help people just learn how to apply for things. You know, and then and also questioning the fact that I don't apply for, for very much. Right. And when I look at these things, I'm really impressed by people who are submitting, even if they're not getting accepted. It feels like okay, this person is making the full effort. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I just, I mean, and I think that's really interesting. Do you know what I mean? It's like okay, this person is completing things at least to their own, you know, perhaps faulty notion, mm-hmm. and sending them out in the world, and that's part of the whole project. And I'm, I've really been grappling with. Why is that something that's so hard for me? I mean, I do it. I do it on the level of books, <laughs> but you know, um, and and in the and the perfectionism that keeps people. You know, from it doing does it. seem like if if this is something that authentically excites you, that you might offer something through the organization for which you are. Yes, yes, you know. I think I will. I will. I will offer to offer um, that, and I think um, you know, and and I. I think it's it's great that people are, are out there and it's and it's just I think for me it's so fascinating because they say these things like people want to see are you connected to a network of writers and I just want to say yes there are a lot of things that are expensive you know to to do I mean including like Sonoma County Writers Camp is is something that not everybody can afford to do and we're working on fellowships and things mm-hmm. like that but but there are also people who create reading series right. or people who create writing groups and all of those things count like, you know what I mean? Like, that mm. counts as much as you went to the to the XYZ writing conference, you know, because mm-hmm. because I know, like, oh, you paid for that. And that's great, too. Like, anything you're doing to be a professional in the world mm-hmm. is um, good, impressive when you're looking at, you know, who, who whose energy do I want to support, right, right? Right, But it all doesn't have to cost money. Right. And, I mean, the other thing is that you look more professional when you're helping other people. Right. Too. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. 
that's I think you do know. Well, <laughs> I think it's just it's always so. Let's. I want to talk a little bit more about um, maybe the auditions too, mm-hmm. because um, although that was some time ago, but just like what um, I don't know, just that what what do you know? Do you know the piece where I mean where people kind of show up and. So authentic isn't the right word, but they they show up and they're present. Well, the way, the place that you look for maybe authenticity, at least for me when I'm auditioning, and again, I myself continue to learn and grow. Uh, But the number one thing is, is one, can I envision this person in that role? And what's unfortunate is that, um, and and when you were talking about Ani, frankly, I would not like if she'd walked in. I would have been like, nobody else knows who that is. But when I was talking about our friend who who read the role so well, right, at a table read, um, that her presence made me be able to see it in a different way. So that was definitely like one of the things. Like how you know, there's an intuitive response, there's an intuitive interaction. What's interesting, what's what's unexpected, but not in a way that doesn't connect back to what I'm trying to achieve. Right. And the second thing is, can this how does this person feel? So I might give them a direction and it's less important what the direction actually is and more that they can take it and and integrate it to some way and then come out with something else. So honestly, in some ways, um, you know, there are actors who will come in and they have an idea, they have a set idea of what they think I want and they'll do that and I'll give them a direction and they'll do what they think I wanted again. Right. And that's not what I'm looking for. What I'm looking for is someone who's going to co-create with me, right? Maybe not on the level of this project coming up, but on the level of how can you extend my vision beyond what I thought was possible? And if it doesn't have a link in any way, shape or form to what I was thinking, um, that's not helpful. Or, or it doesn't surprise you in some way. And it doesn't surprise you. I mean, that's because I think it's super important that people in the deciding position, especially because of systems of power and everything do open their minds and hearts to what is, what is the deep, what is the, okay, I'm going back to authenticity, but whatever. Like, what is my vision here that is... The title is authenticity, so yeah, it's okay. 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 Well, I think it's just important to consider how much of your vision is, or be open to your vision being shifted by, what am I trying to say? For example, when we went to London, they did incredible... Uh, you know, whatever, multicultural, multi-ethnic casting, right? Mm-hmm. And so kind of understanding that we don't have to be restricted by some sort of faux realism um, in our casting or by our own biases or by, you know, that, that there are other there are things to question about how does this match your vision. Um, but as well as, so anyway, so just this whole, I'm really just interested in the whole dynamic of the conversation that's happening when somebody is saying, might I have a role in your movie? Might I, might you support my art? You know, might I have a place in this class or this program? And I think what that gets to, I think I've spent, you have a loud slipper. I think when we started this conversation, I was thinking about authenticity or what, 
what's authentic with regard to people. And the truth is, uh, it's really an authentic product. And an authentic product Ooh. reflects the contributions uh, that is the intersection of the, the person who's applying for the grant and what the grantee wants to communicate to the wider community by, uh, or grantor, I should say, wants to communicate by that investment. Mm-hmm. Well, right. I mean, and I will say that there there were people who didn't know how to do the form very well, or even like where the, the, their you know their actual writing was so wonderful and voice driven and clear, and then their form, the formal sort of part was 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 sort of awkward and uncomfortable. And um, and I can tell, and I still like was like, well, I really like your work, so I can tell that your that your form is not the the you know application. the application. Yeah. <laughs> it's not your your genre, right? right. And, and it's like it's nobody's genre. I mean, I think that's just I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but it's it, to me, it's one of the most excruciating, the application, the kind of this, and maybe that's why this is fascinating. But I think me. that's because you're focused on yourself. You're focused on your. Whether or not you're going to be accepted, you're focused on this other thing. And I do think that if you reframed an application as an opportunity to collaborate rather than as an opportunity to get what you want. I don't think that's very accurate to me and how I approach the world. I'm not saying you. You're talking about... (laughs) But I'm saying I find the application an excruciating genre. And then you're saying that's because you're so focused on yourself. Well, honestly, truly, though, and this is true. I'm not saying it's, uh, you know... I'm not saying it's unique because I think everybody does that, right? I'm I'm collecting rejections and enjoying that. And I'm sitting here and I think, what does it mean about me as a person that I'm getting rejected? And what it might mean is that my website's not up to date and I'm not communicating to those festivals that I am a collaborator. Right. You almost have to be your own festival. Yes. Right? To kind of rise to that level. So, you know, there might be things that are about the film. There might be things about what I'm bringing to the table. I think in the film, I am offering something of value. Absolutely. On my website, not so much. Right. So, and, of course, they have the responsibility to pull an audience and mm-hmm. do all of those things. And so as I go through this process, rather than, you know, focusing on like, oh, my God, oh, my God, what is it about me? What if I'm like, okay, authentically, this is a group I want to collaborate with and my success my writing you know think about um provincetown right they have this winter you know writing retreat Mm, and artist colony right and it's a thing and it's a thing but they need to get something out of it and it doesn't mean you have to like value yourself as a human being in the larger world but maybe reframe it you don't have to value yourself thank god you don't have to value yourself as a human being in the larger world when i think about like Am I, well, because I think what I'm afraid that I'm doing right now is telling people that you have to believe in yourself in a particular way that I don't think everybody does. Like, I struggle with that. And so if I was listening to this and what I heard someone saying was, imagine yourself as a collaborator with some of these things, I would be like, oh, gosh, but what am I bringing? I I think part of, so I think what's interesting with me is that I'm often... I mean, yes, I think I am often thinking, how do I present myself? But I'm also, and I think especially, again, when I was younger, like thinking, what do they want? And feeling baffled by what they want. Mm-hmm. And so not knowing what to deliver because I don't. And so the, if the question is, you know, sort of why is writing important to you? Like, you know what they want? They just want to know why writing is important to you so that they can get a sense of who you are. 
That's it. They're not, and there, and there's so many answers that could be exciting that could spark. But this could a also judge. go back, and you can look at the organization to which you are applying, right? So the answer for why is writing important to you for an organization that's designed to support artists mm-hmm. can be, I think, sort of more personal. If you're applying for an artist grant from Coca Cola you might actually need a slightly different answer. I don't... Because it's refreshing. Exactly. Um, so, you know what I mean? So Amtrak had those... I think what happens, though, is, and this is me in general, is that I make things super complicated. And so instead of being like, okay, so if it's a corporation, they want to promote their brand. If it's a community organization, they want to kind of be part of a vitalization of the whole community. If it, you know, It's not super complicated it doesn't require psychic skills it doesn't require like tearing your hair out and do you know what i mean it just does require that you do a little research before you apply absolutely yeah absolutely and that's part of professionalism as well so yeah so it's not but it's just it's really important to me that it's just not super mysterious and unattainable yeah you know, which isn't to say there isn't a place for mystery. That can be another topic. Maybe not on your application, though. <laughs> okay, so with that, it's time for... Steal This! Amateur Poets Borrow. Professional Poets Steal. What have you come across in your readings and wanderings that you would like to take for your own? Well, do you want to go or do you want me to go? You go. Okay. You can see how much planning we've uh, done do here. Do you want I'll go? I'm, I'm ready. Um, I have been taking classes on design thinking and really thinking about it. It's kind of funny because I volunteer at my kid's school and I keep saying, ah, here's this thing. And, and mm, I'm sort of design thinking. Yes. Well, here's this way of approaching this thing. So um, the definition of the kinds of problems that are well suited to design thinking, according to this course, is uh, if you have all the data you need and it's a puzzle then you don't need design thinking. Mm. If it is what they would call a mystery, which is you don't know, uh, you, you, you're not sure that you have all the data you need, and it's something that you need to sort of pull together over time, then that's a good opportunity for design thinking. Mm, like so, a novel. Like a novel. Um, or like... Um, so, it design, so it's an interesting process, and part of it is like this deep empathy and not just empathy but real understanding i think you know there's feeling what your clients are feeling but there's also really understanding so there's this depth of understanding and you know i'm sitting here and i was like technically i'm an organization i mean we have our business together we ha- i do work for clients i do the volunteer stuff for the school totally an organization i am honey. a disorganized organization and so i'm actually curious to look at applying the design thinking process to myself as an individual and whether or not oh i can God, i totally want you to start something that's called something like you know design integrate systematize organization or something. Yeah. And then your initials can be D-I-S organization. (laughs) You didn't like that. You said you're a disorganized organization. So I thought that was funny. Yeah. Womp, womp. All right. Well, my enthusiasm No, I feel that like that's really exciting. So you're an organization, so you're going to apply design thinking to your organization? Well, you... 
it's not just that you would apply it to an organization, but like I have a challenge, right? And we're sitting in it. And, um, you know, I have a lot of th- things that I want to do. One of the things I noticed when we were, we're sitting in it, she means her, her off, backyard office. Yes. So when, when I was using my parents' car and it was this, not as your office, not as my office, it. and we borrowed it for like a week and I had my equipment with me all the time. And it was kind of awesome. Like, it was just really simple to have a place where it was. It moved in, it moved out. Their car's big. They have a, yeah, they have a bigger car than we do. And, um, and so there was this something that kind of lit up in me about having that kind of thinking. So then the problem for me as an individual is like, okay, I tend to move in ways where I'm, if I'm really focused on one thing, I'm not focused on the other things around it. In a certain way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I might... Although you love thinking holistically about systems. Absolutely. Absolutely. So just interest... So, you know, the idea is that deep empathy to identify the problem. Well, what does self-reflection with deep empathy look like with the intention of solving a problem? Right. I want to say because I think because you're thinking so much about this deep empathy that that kind of came into this conversation about authenticity mm-hmm. and that and that I don't think it's actually that I don't think about what they want whatever but I think that in often in these cases you have very little information that is true and that's part of what's so hard about it is that you can't I actually think I'm really practiced at and in fact when I was younger like especially like what is this person want and then mm-hmm. let me just become that right? right which is also not authentic well and what's interesting but, about the deep empathy stuff and i'll yeah. move on to your thing but the, the thing that's interesting about deep empathy is that when you are interacting with someone and this you know a lot of times this is associated with product development people will say they want one thing and what they actually do and and how they actually behave is different and so they'll say, I want something that will just make this happen. But in reality, what, they, what they're engaging with around a particular product or an idea or a challenge um, demonstrates that's not true. It's an easy way to, you know, containerize what they're trying to achieve. Right. But only by having some other observation in there, you're like, actually, no, like, you don't want a better broom, what you're actually looking for is a way to unify the sweeping and then having to bend over with a dustpan, right? Ah. Like, so that people then are like, great, that's the actual problem. Right. But people will oh. say the problem is something this else. This is also really important, and it's kind of also tied into authenticity, which mm. is, you know, and I was just texting to a young friend that, you know, people don't actually know what they want, know what mm-hmm. they thought, know what they felt. I mean, you just can't take people as their own best authentic witness to their mm-hmm. own experience. Mm-hmm. But I love this... Um, well, and also, so with, with creative writing feedback, mm-hmm. you know, I always say, so someone will say, I wanted this. I wanted the person to leave or I wanted the person to, you know, blow up the whatever, right? And really what they, they mean something else and you have to backpedal from what they're saying to what their experience was and mm-hmm. then figure out your own solution. So that would be interesting. Maybe we could do a different one where I'll go a little deeper into the design thinking once I've finished this whole course. And well, I, 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 yeah. But thinking about writing as um, a design thinking project in a different sense, right? So, like, you get these notes. But, I mean, it's very interesting. I mean, the idea with the design thinking is you don't start 
Like if you were to take this design thing, yeah. you don't start with that. With, what? with with your story. Okay. You actually start by doing some other kind of attention, and this goes back to you know audience and and focus and who are you writing this for and and. You know, so it's it's an it's a combination of things. It would be slightly different. I really I'm really even... excited about that because you know having gone through this kind of wild process with this you know last project, I just am like I would love to sort of shovel all that information in and mm-hmm. figure out kind of up what my what what you know a way forward. <laughs> all right, let's come up with a. Um... Design thinking. A design process, design thinking process around a project, a right? creative project. I love that. Fun. All right. Think, look for that in future episodes. Of or don't. Show. <laughs> well, look for it. You may not find it, but right. you know, it's okay. To, sometimes just looking is exciting. Yes. <laughs> um, I just will say, we'll go back to Richard Powers. Um, over, the overstory, which I, like I said, was hugely resistant to. Um, I think I thought that it was going to be something that felt like I should, whatever, like it. I should like it, or it was maybe important, but not pleasurable and compulsive, mm. and it's felt pleasurable. Like the brockumentary. Yes, exactly. And I actually also will say that, like, I have read a couple Richard, early Richard Powers things, and I didn't love them. Um, my my friend Debbie featured on two previous episodes. I'm wondering who is Richard Powers. I feel like is who he just won the Pulitzer Prize who for the wrote, Who wrote Jonathan Livingston Siegel? Not Don, not Richard Powers. Okay, but I know he's written a bunch of things. <laughs> Why do I think he's that guy? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. That's somebody else. Okay. Um, but which I guess will be in the show notes. But um, he's written. A bunch of stuff, like 12 books I mean, something. it's interesting to look at one of the articles, and again, talking about sort of that design project idea, looking at the books that have won awards versus the books that actually are bestsellers. And then versus the books that are actually still read later or even heard of. Right. And yeah. so it's interesting because um, the reason I actually even bring that up is because there was an article a couple years ago, right, about how all of these books that sold like 1,200 of them are winning these crazy awards, right. whereas books who have, and this is something that the Academy struggles with, right? Why why isn't a Marvel film, which is a juggernaut in the box office, in consideration for best picture? What does right. it mean to be best picture? And those are different audiences, right? So if you're designing a product that you want to make a bunch of money on, you know, well, and I think that's doing a bit that. of a catch-22 for the artist, you know, who mm-hmm. wants something to be sort of valuable and critically acclaimed, but also won't be able to keep publishing if they don't uh, sell books. Yeah, no, I'm not saying it is. So anyway, but um, what I want to just wrap up with Richard Powers is um, that I actually, you know, I have, so I haven't been following his whole career it, by reading all his books. But you do know he didn't write Jonathan Livingston. I know, I do know that. And I also, was that was like from the 70s, dude. Right. I, Richard Powers is like, maybe he's 10 years older than me, but I, mean, okay. I met him. I met him when I was in grad school and he was like a young whatever, you know. Okay. He was young. I was younger, but, you know, we were all young. So he definitely didn't write Jonathan Livingston Seagull in the <laughs> 70s as like a teenager. That's how I know. Okay. Um, but in any case... You know, I think he's gotten better. So that's mm-hmm. one thing that I want to take away is like, okay, he's somebody who has just gotten better. And that I think it's really important to realize that if you're still learning and growing, 
this is my one of my epiphanies of the epiphanets of the week is like if you're still learning and growing, that's a good thing. And because mm-hmm. I tend to say to myself, and this is getting very long, isn't it? But I tend to say to myself, why are you learning this now? Why didn't you learn this 20 years ago? And it's like, well, I guess I was learning something else 20 years ago, but I don't want to not be learning. So shut up, self. Um, <laughs> anyway, so that's, that's one thing. That's some really kind internal right? well, I just, conversation. I mean it, I mean it lightheartedly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the other thing I will just say is those, well, there two, so two more things. The sentences I think are amazing, but not in a uh, let me dazzle you kind of way. I mean, they're just, yummy sort of and um but i don't know in a more like an i know homemade bread as opposed to like some frothy thing anyway and um great verbs you know just and but also like where where i felt in his early work those sentences he was moving towards that but they were sort of awkward or jumbly or confusing or something and maybe it's me too because i was reading his early work in my earlier life um so he's a better writer, I'm a better reader. It was his er- early work, but your earlier reading. <laughs> <laughs> right. So it's like both of us have probably gotten better. But, um, you know, I'm just not winning a Pulitzer for being a better reader. But anyway. Um, and finally, I want to spend some time thinking about why these stories, which jump from character to character, which is challenging and all of that, why it feels so fascinating. And I'll be mm. interested to get your take on that. All right. Like, let's do that. This? And maybe you will. Maybe you'll hate it. And then that'll be interesting, too. Will it? Well, yeah. All right. Until next week. Keep writing. Keep learning. Keep shining.